point. Let's try that again. Back up, forward. Hello, Grace Point. Thank you. Thank you. I know the last song was like, okay, sit down, a special. I could not help myself. And I thought I was going to be the only one standing, but Sean, thank you for standing with me, my friend. I appreciate that very much. Uh, If you're joining us, we're continuing in our series called A Church in Crisis. We're looking closely at the church at Corinth and their issues and their crises, and they're very similar to the crisis facing the American church today. A crisis that we're talking about is when a church, whether it's leaders or people or a combination of both, it's when a church is not acting correctly. It's not acting biblically. And when a church is not being what God designed it to be, there's a loss of the power of God, loss of the blessings of God, and an increase of division and dysfunction and arguments and all sorts of things. And what, what happens is that then Satan gets more victories, and then the church is eventually viewed as irrelevant and ineffective. And that is the position and viewpoint of many Americans today, is that the church is irrelevant and ineffective uh, and it's not just because of what's going on in our culture. It's, I believe the number one culprit for churches in crisis is the churches itself. We got to take a look at our own uh, face in the mirror and see are, are we are we healthy or are we not? And uh, and last week, last week um, it was talking about, and this is so prevalent and has caused so many church splits and so much fights and arguments that the. The people outside the church that don't have a relationship with Jesus look at believers fighting over really non-essential issues, and they're like, "What? this is a joke. This is a joke. So last week we talked about what I believe is one of the biggest causes of church unhealth is when personal preferences are weaponized into spiritual mandates. Then lines are drawn, people choose sides, and the fight is on. So if you haven't watched that, I encourage you, strongly encourage you, to watch that on our uh, Grace Point YouTube channel. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you would. Uh, today is a little uh, less, <clears throat> I guess, <clears throat> challenging, but it's also very, very important. And Paul is responding to comments and feedback from believers in Corinth, and he is going to answer their questions and deal with this situation. It's a situation that um, many people don't know about, understand what it means, but it's about spiritual gifts, the use and misuse of spiritual gifts. So we're going to read chapter 12, 1 through 7, if you join me. It says, now, again, in response, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, meaning you had no relationship with God, Somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit, notice carefully, it's a capital S, talking about the Holy Spirit, but the same spirit uh, distributes them. 
distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Given for the common good. <clears throat> now, I don't like just to assume everybody understands things that we talk about, so I always want to pause and make sure people are, 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 are learning what we're talking about. And this whole question, if you're new, to, new to, to, to faith, you're like, what's the Holy Spirit? Again, if you grew up in the church, you're like, why people ask that question? But if you have not grown up in the church at all, come on, let's be honest. That sounds a little freaky. The Holy Spirit. All right. What is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, in the Hebrew definition, the Spirit, capital S, the, the, the definition for in Hebrew, they give word pictures, so it'll help us understand. It means wind or breath. Wind or breath. Now, we cannot see the wind, and we cannot see breath. Now, we see the manifestations of wind when the trees are going and leaves are falling, and we feel it, but we don't see it. We don't see breath, but we can smell it, <laughs> right? You're like, whoa, whoa. And just like the wind and breath are invisible, so is the Spirit of God, but He's the real part of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. Now, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came and then went. It showed up and it says, like with Joshua, the Spirit of God came upon him, and then Joshua did what God wanted him to do in the power of God. Uh, David, the Spirit of God came upon him. The judges, the Spirit of God came upon them. So they did something for God with the power of God through the Spirit of God. But the Holy Spirit came and went. The great thing is in the New Testament, Jesus said, I am leaving. I, I'm going back to the Father. I'll prepare a place for you, all that. But in that context of conversation, he says, when I leave, I will have the helper. I will send the helper, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to be with you. So when Jesus promised, one of the last words he said before going back to heaven he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus, to this moment, is fulfilling that prophecy and prediction and promise because his spirit is with us as believers. Now, we receive the Holy Spirit at salvation. We were dead spiritually. We trust in Jesus as our Savior for the death, burial, and resurrection. Bam, we are in God's family. Now, I'm going to show you from Romans chapter 9 something very, very important. It says, the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. They do not belong to Christ. There is a, a, a teaching in some circles that believes you get saved and then you need to pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to come into you. No, that is, that is not Bible. If you don't have the spirit of Christ, you don't have Christ. That happens at salvation. In 2 Corinthians, it says this, He, Jesus, 
anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, meaning you're in my family from that, this point on. And he also put his spirits in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Well, what is that guarantee? That's the Spirit of God. Well, what is to come? Eternity with Jesus forever. Okay, and you got heaven thrown in and, and oh, streets of gold and all this sort of stuff. But the Spirit of God is with believers at the moment of salvation, with us until we get to heaven. And Jesus saying that, that the scripture saying that's just a guarantee for what is to come. What is to come is being in the presence, you know, and having Jesus with you forever and ever and ever, which I think is pretty awesome. Now, again, there's confusion, there's under, lack of understanding, there's unbiblical teaching about the Spirit of God. In a couple of weeks, we'll start a new series. We start out with explaining the Holy Spirit. Next spring, I have a series called The Holy Spirit, followed by a series about the fruit of the Spirit. I did this about 12 years ago. It's called Juicy. What comes out when life squeezes you? Okay, we all get squeezed and something comes out. And if we're walking with the Spirit, good things come out. So we'll, we'll keep teaching this as we move forward. Now, Verse 3 sounds a little bit kind of weird, like off topic, but you've got to understand in the first century Roman culture, people were required once a year to go to a temple, take a pinch of incense, and on the altar, drop their incense and say out loud, this was required, say out loud, Caesar is Lord. Verse 3 is trying to teach these believers, new believers, in Corinth, now, it says, now let me be very clear. No one who is saved with the Holy Spirit is going to be led by the Holy Spirit to say, Jesus, be cursed. Again, as soon as they became saved and they're saying, we, saying, we, we are required to say, Caesar is Lord. I can't do that as now a follower of Jesus. But they were being pressured. You better say, Jesus is cursed so that you can say, Caesar is Lord, the Spirit of God was not going to draw them, encourage them to say, Jesus be cursed. On the flip side, it says, only those with the Holy Spirit will be led by the Holy Spirit to say, Jesus is Lord. So that's a, kind of the foundation of what he's now going to talk about of the, the, the spiritual gifts from the Holy Spirit. Here's the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul's going to give an overview. He's going to give a beginning and a, and, a, and a purpose of these things called spiritual gifts. He doesn't want any believer to be uninformed. Sadly, many today are uninformed. And he doesn't want them to be confused. And he wants to challenge them to not misuse it and then to use it. Here's the crisis if you're, you're taking notes. And it's, it is a crisis. It's a crisis when believers misuse or fail to use their spiritual gifts in their church. In their church. I'll, I'll explain this. Now, this whole issue was a controversy in Paul's day, primarily over the misuse of spiritual gifts. They had weaponized their gifts against other believers. And so it was a controversy. And pretty much the controversy went away for about 1,900 years. 
And then it became an issue and a problem and the division again in the early 1900s. I remember it was strong and heavy in, in the 70s and 80s and a little bit of the 90s and some of that controversy then has a little bit died down. But let me give you um, what some of these gifts are. Look at verse 7 again. Then I'll explain what they are. He says, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Here they are. To one or to one believer there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, and another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretations of, interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines, as He determines. Now then he goes on in verse 8 through the rest of the chapter saying, gives a picture going, okay, it's like a body, a human body. I'm not going to read it, but I'll paraphrase it. It's like a human body. There's one body, all right? But this body is made up of many different parts. Different, but still one body. And he was, he was kind of saying, it, it, it doesn't make sense, it doesn't happen, it shouldn't happen if of the hand saying, well, I'm not really a part of the hand, I'm the body because I'm just the hand. You know, I'm not the eyes. And the ears are like, well, I'm not part of the body because I, I, I'm, just, I'm just the ears. I'm not the mouth. He said, no. They're all important and they, are work, they work together in one body. So you're talking about a church body has all these different believers with different gifts. And you put them together because it's one body. It's one church. So let me walk you through for your notes some of these understanding these spiritual gifts. First of all, they are given to every believer as the Holy Spirit determines. We don't pull out our shopping list and say, okay God, I want this one and this one and this, oh, and I don't want that one. We don't get a vote. It's very clear that each one of these gifts as the Holy Spirit gave and he's the one who gives it to people. It's all from him. That's why they're called gifts. It's not online shopping. <laughs> online shopping. And so we, no one has them all. Some of you may have a few. Some of you may just have one. But you don't complain about it. You just go, wait a second. It's the Holy Spirit that determined what gift I have been given. Now, how they surface and you start recognizing, other people start recognizing it, is by getting involved and begin serving in your church. You don't, you don't use spiritual gifts to come to church and really do nothing. It's when you start serving in the body, you're going to start seeing things uh, surface. And, and like, oh, I didn't know I had that. Yeah, because you didn't unwrap it. Because you weren't doing anything in, in, in the church. Now, they are misused is when we take credit for it. And I'll come back to that. 
Second point for spiritual gifts is this, is that they are given for the common good, not the individual good. It's not like, look what I have. It's such a blessing to me. That's not the point of the gift. It's a gift given to us to be a blessing to others, to the church. Uh, the famous pastor, theologian, Warren Wiersbe, once said this, there are not, they are not for individual enjoyment, but for corporate employment. Again, that's where it can be misused if we think, I've received this gift for my blessing. That is not in here. It's so that we can be a blessing to the larger church body. Again, we're not called to attend church. We're called to be engaged. Now, if you're, you're looking, you're searching, you're researching, you have to find a church that teaches God's word and fits you. All right? And then you get involved. Get involved. Then the third point of spiritual gifts from this passage is that there's no hierarchy. There's no hierarchy of spiritual gifts. There's not like, okay, now, oh, you got this gift? Oh, wow. First round draft choice. Awesome. Oh, I'm a seventh rounder down here. You know, and there's no like, hey, I got this gift. Oh, that's so cute. You got that one. That's where they are misused. And one of the ones that have been misused the most is the whole speaking in tongues. All right, I'll talk about that later. I'll explain it. But I have personally been told, this is many years ago, that it very, if you have not spoken in tongues, you are not yet saved. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, now that's heresy. You just added to salvation. And then go back to this passage, and it's what the Holy Spirit has determined. Here you go. Oh, and here you go. I think God knows how he made us. God, God was a part of the DNA, you know, uh, construction of our, who we are and personality. And many times spiritual gifts work in conjunction with and participation with how God made us. But, uh, but that's not the case all the time, all right? But pretty much some, most of the time it's, it's that way. Now, so I'm going to give an overview and explanation of these gifts and more, so people understand, not assuming everybody knows exactly what they are, because many don't. Some of these gifts are very visibly manifested. Many people see it. Some of these gifts are behind the scenes type gifts that few people are blessed by it, get to experience it. And so a lot of these gifts, they are, people just instinctively do them. They don't think, okay, now I will use my spiritual gift. It's like this incredible way, I, I just do it. I just, I just respond. And, I, and people around them are going, I can never do that. And if, you, if you have that gift and they're going, I can never do that, and you're going, what? what's, what's the big deal? Somebody's like, but I don't have that gift. And, and that's why how we can be a blessing and we are a healthy, healthy body. All right, so I'm going to walk through these. You can join me. First of all, it says the, the, the spiritual gift of wisdom. Okay? This is not wisdom as you get older and gray hair or lose your hair and you have wisdom based upon life experiences. This is a supernatural wisdom where you are in a situation, you're in a life group, you're, in a, you're at a table discussion in one of our discipleship classes, 
and you, you share incredible spiritual truths about an aspect that the, the people in the group go in their mind, wow, that, 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 is, that is amazing. Again, you misuse this gift when you go, of course it is, because I'm amazing. No, God just gave you this spiritual wisdom, of a mature spiritual perspective about a passage, about an issue, or whatever. That's a spiritual gift. There's a gift of, spiritual gift of knowledge. Okay, this is knowledge not based upon uh, academic classes or books you have read. It's a gift of understanding. It's a spiritual gift of understanding some of the mysteries of God and the mystery or the, the difficult concepts about God and the nature of God. And if you're around this person before, and I, I've I've been around people, I've even listened to podcasts where I go, wait a second, I know that passage and I have never, ever seen that angle before and it fits in context. Wow! And it's such a blessing. Again, it's not knowledge based upon education, it's knowledge because not only are you walking with God and the Holy Spirit, but you're using that gift. Then there's a gift, uh, the spiritual gift of faith. Faith. This is not saving faith. This is supernatural trust in God and the courage to act on that faith. You ever been around somebody that you feel like, man, their faith about God is so much stronger than yours and it's, a, it's an inspiration. And, there's, and they're thinking, I, we can't do that. Or I, we can't do that in our, in our, even our finances, our, in our family. And somebody goes, no, 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 look at God. God can do this. God can answer God. And they're modeling, taking the courage necessary to follow that faith and trust in God. And it encourages other people like, oh, I'm going to try that. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to try to exercise uh, my faith in God as well. It's an incredible, encouraging Spiritual gift. Then there's the gift of healing. Supernatural power to end illnesses in the body instantly and completely. Why do I say instantly and completely? Because that's the model of miracles in the Bible. They're not, um, oh, my migraine went away. It's no, I never have them anymore. See the difference? Now, Miracles were rare in Scripture, and they're rare today. Miracles were more prominent at the beginning of the church in the first century to prove and validate the power of Jesus. That's, that's, we saw that in the book of Acts. Now, we have a missionary, with I believe has this, it's a spiritual gift, and it's not him that's doing it, it's Tony Rodriguez. And I've been to India several times, and it's really irritating to me that I've never been with Tony when there's a, when there's a miracle. And I'm, we're talking, especially in, the, in dark spiritual places, the power of God is more prevalent. And so when they're going back into these villages, these people, some of them never even heard the name of Jesus. They're worshiping a tree, they're worshiping a bush, they're worshiping a rock. And then they hear the name of Jesus. Sometimes entire villages get saved. I have been a part of that. And the second time, after going to India for the first time, I'm like, God, I really want to see one. 
you know? I really want to see one. And so then when we went back the second time, 2017, no, 2019, 2019, pre-COVID, um, my wife went with me. That was the miracle that she went, okay? <laughs> All right, she, she, just don't tell her that. Just keep that between you and I. Um, it, was, it was awesome that she came. And so we were paired up in our teams, and we would go to these villages, and it was great doing ministry with your wife. But one day, uh, me and some others, we had an all-day pastor's training where we just you know, poured into the, these village pastors. Tons of fun. They're scribbling, taking notes. No one was falling asleep. It was awesome. At the very end of the day, I am spent we're tired, we're finishing up dinner, and here comes the vans at this facility, and, and my wife comes out of the van, and she, she, she knew the whole time, I'm like, oh, I want to see one, I want to see one. And she gets out of the van, she's walking toward me, and she's doing this. And I knew that look, like, I missed something. And I said, what? Is there a miracle? She goes, yes. They're wrapping up this village, and Tony felt led of the Holy Spirit to pray. You know, I said, if any of you, you want to just, you know, you want prayer, come up. And this man comes up and he says that he is blind. And Tony, he doesn't say this is my gift and this is about me. It's all about Christ. And he says, well, let me pray for you. Found out how long he'd been for like 10 years blind. Prays, prays for him. And... Um, after he's done praying, the man just turns around and walks away. And Tony's like, well, we wondered if anything happened. So then he tells the interpreter, hey, hey, get that guy to come back. Where are you going? Guy comes back. He goes, I'm going home because I can see again. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. Again, these things still happen, not as frequently, especially not as frequently as the early church, but they still happen. Then there's the gift of... So healing, did I, did, I say, did I say miracles? Yes. I guess that's, they're the same thing. <laughs> then there's, by the most confusing gift, is gift of prophecy. It's the prophecy. When you hear prophecy, we often think of future telling. That's not what this is. Future telling. This Greek word um, is, is a broad definition including linguistics, all right, speaking. And it's not future telling because in Hebrews chapter 1, Verse 1 and 2, it talks about in times past, God used prophecies, foretelling, but since Christ, pretty much that has ceased. And the end of the book of Revelation, John was given a, 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 a vision from Jesus to write down about future events. And at the end, it says, Don't, you can't add to this. We have all we need to know about the, the unfulfilled prophecies that are still coming, they're getting fewer, about when Jesus comes back. This gift of prophecy, it's a gift of declaring a word from God that people understand. I just heard from God. Not I heard for him or her. This is not for every pastor doesn't necessarily have the gift of prophecy. They can Learn and they, and they teach truth, but there's some messages that people are going, um, you need to know this, or this is what I'm going to share from Scripture. And people know, I just heard from God. 
That is the gift of prophecy. Truth telling with the power of God, not future telling. Then right behind that is the gift of distinguishing spirits, distinguishing different spirits. Now this is discerning what is from God and what is not from God. This, this gift is the counterweight to prophecy. Because someone could say and talk smoothly and use great examples and, and, and speak fluently and just cap, captures you emotionally. And they cannot be being biblical at the same time. And the person with this gift here can go, whoa, 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 that, that sounds good, but that is not from God. That is not biblical. They just, they know it instantaneously. Years ago, we were uh, on vacation, and we had all a bunch of little kids, and we went to a church, and I was just like, I'm, I got to unplug. And I'm in the, in the church to listen to the worship, and the, the guy gets up and starts speaking, and I'm not paying attention. But I, then, then my wife distracted me because she has a real thick Bible, and in the back there's Greek words, and there's Hebrew words, and all this sort of stuff. And my wife pulls out her big Bible and starts doing this. So I'm more distracted at her, and I'm like, what's going on? He is not being truthful. That is not what the Word of God says. My, my wife's an introvert, but, but she becomes an extrovert when it comes to the Word of God. So if you're ever sitting in church with her, and she whoops, whips out that Bible and starts doing this, you, you know one thing, bears in trouble. <laughs> bears in trouble. I mean, again, I wasn't paying attention. I, I, you know, I still hadn't unplugged yet, and she goes... We need to leave right now. And I'm going to say, what? She goes, we need to leave right now. And because her average of being right is like 97.6%, which is really irritating as her husband, she's right all the time, I leaned into her discernment, and we all got up and quietly went, walked out. Because this shows up. Years ago, she worked... Uh, on a team that would clean houses in Bainbridge Island. And pulling up in her car by herself to a house, she would sense, this is a very dark house. Something is not right in this house. And she would pray and ask God to protect her. And sure enough, every single time she had that sensing from the Spirit of God, she found tarot cards, Ouija boards, and the like. See, um, if you don't have that gift, you probably just walked in the house. Well, this place is dirty. It needs to be clean. My wife, before she even walked in, she, the Spirit of God was saying, something's dark in this house. And that's, that's a spiritual gift from God. Then there's the gift of speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues. It's a supernatural gift of speaking in a known language that you have never learned. You have never learned. You go back to Acts chapter 2, where all these speaking in tongues happened for the first time, they list the names of the nations that came from all around the known world to Jerusalem, and they were speaking in those languages. These are fishermen, these are former tax collectors, these are former zealots, they haven't been to those schools to learn those languages, and they were telling the gospel about Jesus in a foreign tongue. So that's, this is rare, but in, in use today. I remember reading a story of a missionary team 
that went from the States down to South America, and they went deep into the jungles. They learned the, the native language of a lot of these tribes, and they went there, shared Jesus, a bunch of people got saved. And on one night, they were invited to go to another village that was, uh, you know, a little bit away, and, and there's not much contact with them. And they're like, great, let's go. They grabbed pitch, you know, I mean, um, torches, went in the dark, and they, they went to this village, and this this 20-something young man, you know, they're around now the campfire, gathers a crowd, and he was like, let me tell you about Jesus. So he just starts preaching the gospel of Jesus. He did not realize his teammates were in the shadows going. Then he was done, and they're debriefing, and they're like, I had no idea you knew that language. He went, what language? And so one of the missionaries that have been around and knows that area, he goes, that's a language that is vastly different than what you know. I didn't know you had learned that language. He goes, I didn't. I was just preaching Jesus. It's a spiritual gift, a speaking in a known language that you didn't know. That's from, that's from 1 Corinthians 12. Let me give you general from Romans chapter 12. Parallel passage, he talks about spiritual gifts, more in general terms. Okay, the first one is serving. Every believer is called to serve. But some people have the spiritual gift is they can't serve enough. And they, they just, it, they are so compelled. Again, we're all commanded to serve. They are compelled to serve because they have that gift. Teaching, it's not because you're take, taking classes and you got a degree. It's spiritually, you can get down on the floor with kids and you can explain a story and the kids completely understand. And you've never, you know, you, haven't, you don't have all the training. Maybe you have a little bit. Or this is a miracle. You sit down with middle schoolers and you keep their attention. See, that's that an act of God right there. But in all men, women, different age groups, gift of teaching where I'm going to teach God's word accurately, but in a way that is so understandable. Then there's encouraging. We're all supposed to encourage one another, you know, and encourage them while today is still today, as scripture says. But people with a gift of encouragement cannot help themselves. They are always observing, seeing what people are doing good, and then they let them know. They are blessings to be around. No one has ever said, could you just back off the encouragement? I just, I have enough. No one's ever said that. Then there's giving. We're all commanded by Scripture to worship our, by giving back, back to God our first fruits that God has provided. But people have this spiritual gift of giving. Usually they are very godly, but behind the scenes people who God has allowed them to be very entrepreneurial and, and, and very diligent and good stewards. And they have a way, of, they, they make money, but then they quietly behind the scenes bless their church, bless ministries because of it. And they don't want the attention because they're not giving it to get attention. It's because their spiritual gift saying, I just have to give. I want to be a blessing. That's fantastic. And then leadership, leading people, making decisions, and then mercy. Just cannot help themselves that they're so compassionate when people are struggling. So those are, that's an overview. Now let me apply this to Grace Point. Um, during COVID, we scrapped our membership class and went online, have classes. They're still there, but we, for about seven months, we've worked to completely start over, zero down, and on June 4th, one Sunday, we had our new, new church membership class. 15 people are becoming new members here at Grace Point. 
in that class, it's like, this is who we are, and this is how you fit. And the fit part is, during the class, you take a test you cannot fail, and it shows you your spiritual gifts. Then it says, if you have these gifts over here, these are ministries here at Grace Point, that that could be a potential place where you can serve and you'll enjoy it. Okay, this is who we are, but this is how you fit. In your program, you have on the, on the, on the program, there, inside the program, there's a sheet of paper with two QR codes of serving on Sunday, whether it's a service, and then you go to the next, the next service or a previous service for worship. Um, some ministries, you, that Sunday, both services you serve, but we like to space people out so we don't burn people out. Then we have one for our, what we're hoping, praying, and planning for in, in the fall is a third service on a Thursday night. Our desire and passion is to, to help people to come to church who are not able to come on Sundays due to work or travel. So to add a, a night service on a Thursday night. Now I've promised that we will not launch this unless we have all the teams. I'm saying this as information, not emotional uh, leverage. We are nowhere near starting this because we have people interested of coming, but we need more musicians and, and, and singers. And just think if that's you and you're not using those gifts, just think about your mom signs you up for classes and lessons and you were irritated at her for years, but you acquired those gifts your church can use them. And then tech, we can train you for that. When we have enough teams so that we're not burning people out, we will, we will pull the service. But we, we're, we're praying that God will supply that people already here that have these gifts that can serve. And there's, we go to this site and it shows you what ministries uh, need more, more people. All right, I gotta wrap this thing up. How many of you have... Um, I won't have you raise your hands. How many families have surprise babies that showed up in your house? You, you weren't planning on getting pregnant, but God goes, surprise! Our family has that, all right? But we can't imagine our family without them now. We weren't planning, but God blessed us. Here's the crisis in American churches is that people are attending, but not serving and not using their gifts. Some of you are coming to Grace Point and you figure out, okay, this is my church home. You are attending, but hiding at the same time. You're hiding your gifts. You're not being a blessing to others. The gifts that God gave you and you need to, and you're not, not using them. So the crisis is when believers misuse their gifts that issue has gone down a little bit. But right now in America, more people are failing to use their spiritual gifts in churches. This is all survey. So it says churches are experiencing, this is in America, churches are experiencing the lowest volunteer rate in generations. Not in a generation, but in generations. This is a crisis. Right now, we are experiencing the blessing of God. We are growing. Grace Point is reaching more people with fewer volunteers than we've had in a long time. 
I learned a long time ago, don't try to guilt trip people. Try to share what God wants you to do and let God call people. Because if you're led by God, you're going to follow up and you're going to stay committed. May you pray about this and if God is leading you, please follow the lead in the Lord. Don't receive spiritual gifts and not use them in your church. They were designed to be shared and be a blessing to other people in the family. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for um, momentum in so many areas. But Lord, we ask that you would increase the call and the response of people serving, using their gifts all throughout our church in a way that is a blessing to our church and to them as well. So we thank you for those who are serving and what a blessing they are. Keep encouraging them. Lord, we pray all this in the name of Jesus, we say, amen.